Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1989's Longtime Companion, directed by Norman Rene, starring Campbell Scott and Bruce Davidson. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I watched Halloween 2. I'm still on the horror nice. binge, and I'm, I'm just trying to you know catch up on things that I haven't visited in a long time, and uh, it's... It's it's okay. It's it's not the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween three is better. I've heard that. Yeah, and that's not the Michael Myers one. Exactly. Yeah, it, it kind of took a departure, but um, you know, Halloween two is still it's still the Michael Myers thing, and it's it's still okay, but it it's just not as good as the first or the third. Okay. Wow. Yeah. What about like the tenth? <laughs> is that the one with Coolio? Um, I, that's is it the is it Coolio or Busta Rhymes? I can't remember. Okay. It's yeah. Busta Rhymes. It's Busta. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Trick or treat, motherfucker. That's right. That's right. That is the immortal line. Yeah. Trick or treat, Ugh. motherfucker. And the franchise was dead at uh-huh. that point. Exactly. It was dead long before that. It was w- it, because, like any horror franchise, is it, unless it's an original one that was created in that decade, like stuff that started in the seventies and eighties should not exist in the two thousands. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Right. Forget about it. Right. Um, I watched a film. It's called Five Centimeters Per Second. This is a an anime film okay. from two thousand seven by someone named Makoto Shinkai. And Variety calls this man the next Miyazaki. Oh, wow. I can see that as far as like uh, the, the beautiful animations and the emotional resonance of his stories and stuff. Yeah. This film's about like first loves and regrets, holding on to the past a little. It's really beautiful. It's told in like three short segments. It's only 63 minutes long. Okay. But man, I haven't been hitting the, the heartstrings this hard in a while, man. Wow, okay. It was really good. I didn't watch the the subtitled version. I watched the dub version. Okay. I don't mind that with animated films as much mm-hmm. because, I mean, you don't get to see people emoting, you right. know, in animation. That's true. But yeah, this was really good. This is really awesome. And I'm going to watch some more of his films, too. That's great, man. And mm-hmm. and I, I agree with you on dubbed anime. Um, I, I saw Princess Mononoke dubbed. And, oh, yeah. And it's got like, an, you know, like a really great yeah, American Claire cast. Yeah, Claire Danes is great in that. Yeah, Gillian Anderson's in it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, it, like, th- that is the only time really that dubbed is that the dubbing is okay. I agree. Yep. So on Instagram, Mrs. Maria Sparks said she's been watching Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul. I haven't seen any of those films. I haven't either. I, I've heard they're pretty good little you know kid movies yeah they're pretty good uh so yeah that's what she's been watching so all the all the other listeners out there tell us what you've been watching go to facebook or twitter or instagram and find dudes on movies and let us know what you've been watching yes please now dave let's talk about this week's movie Longtime companion mm-hmm. can you give everyone a synopsis sure um so this movie is uh it's sort of a, a historical piece about when aids first hit america both in san francisco and in new york it follows about you know maybe ten characters and what their reactions to the uh, to the outbreak is, and as well as well as um, eventually what they what some of them end up suffering from, and it was one of the first major theatrically released films to deal with the crisis and um, really kind of take a hard look at, at what it does to um, to the person who gets it. Yeah, and also. Um, uh, obviously, like societal prejudice against those who had it back then. Mm-hmm. It was made in 1990. And it takes place in 1981. So I kind of have a weird relationship with this movie because in 1990 I would have been a really ignorant kid, not really knowing what was going on. Right. And um, like this movie speaks to those things that that you know that we were taught as kids about you know just how like like the the, the wrong information we were given. Right. Um, and even 
us as people who weren't touched by the crisis, but uh, the, the people in this movie are like suffering and they also have wrong information. Right. And uh, that's what we'll get into. Yeah. Wrong information, like the toilet seat. Yes. Thing. Like they mentioned that. Now looking at it from 2017, I'm like, it's almost kind of funny mm-hmm. how they're mentioning the toilet seat. I know. But in the film, they're completely serious. They're like, I can't even sit on that toilet seat. Right. There's a scene when Willie, Campbell Scott's character, is like in the bathroom at the hospital, and he's like afraid to touch anything. That's right. You know, because he, he doesn't know how he's going to get it or what. Um, yeah, it's his, pretty good. I know. His his friend who is suffering uh, from AIDS, uh, like, kisses him on the cheek when he arrives. Yeah. He goes to the bathroom in the guy's ho- in Sean's hospital room and starts, like, vigorously washing his face right. where, where, where the guy kissed him. Yep, and he does a foot flush on yes, the toilet. he does. Yeah, he doesn't want to touch it. Right. And I think that's what the movie does really well. It shows kind of the reality of how it was. Mm-hmm. Initially, when the, it comes out in the newspapers, everyone's kind of not taking it too seriously. Yeah. Like, it's his new thing. They're calling it a cancer. A gay cancer. Yeah, and some people are like, well, th- that's what those guys get, you know, for sleeping around and doing drugs. I mean, you get what you deserve. Right. You know? um, and then it shows the true impact of this really happening to everyone. That's right. And uh, how people get afraid of it, mm-hmm. and then eventually how they deal with it in both good and bad ways, and... And then actually like confronting it and trying to be proactive and right. say, hey, we can beat this. Right. Even though, I mean, we still don't have a cure now. I mean, it's... even though they, there's no cure, there's still hope. Yes, that's yeah. true. And it's, it's, you're right. It's 36 years after it first hit America. And even though it's not a curable disease still, there's still like, um, you know, tons of activism and, and, and tons of like, and now it's, it's actually supported by government outlets. And a lot of people have, and, and a lot of, there's been so much light on it and so much visibility that, that it is better now than it was then. Mm-hmm. But there's, yeah, you're right. It's still a cancer and it still can't be cured. I like how you mentioned the government there. There's a great line in the movie. Someone says, it's like the CIA is trying to scare us out of having sex. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Which, which was a big conspiracy theory at that, right. at, at that time. The government did it. Yeah. I mean, like that th- they would have like introduced this into the gay community to eradicate everyone. Right, yeah. Um, and there are still some truthers out there who feel that way. George Carlin has a great bit about how it's Mother Earth trying to get rid of us damn humans. <laughs> I mean, th- that's what it must have felt like. He said Earth yeah. wanted us for one thing, plastic. And now that it's gone, now that they have it, now that Earth has it, he wants us gone. We're, <laughs> right. we're out of here. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the movie kind of starts with like a, a montage of like introducing us to all the characters. And the first mention of the disease is um, Howard calling Paul uh, from the from a payphone on the street like with the New York Times saying, hey, did you see this article? Mm-hmm. And this was a very famous article that, that you know, appeared in the Times on around that time. And like they it, it went in depth into like what the what the properties of the disease were. And, you know, like AIDS itself is a full-on breakdown of the immune system. Yeah. So if, if you catch a cold, you could conceivably die. Right. If you're carrying this virus. Yep. And the weird thing about this particular um, uh, montage is that you're introducing this many characters, and like even apart from the subject matter of the movie, um, it, it's my idea of the perfect way to introduce an ensemble. Okay. You know, it was just, I, I just really enjoyed it even the first time I saw it because mm-hmm. you're meeting everyone, but, but they're, they're not sort of clubbing you over the head. Like this guy does this and this guy does this. It's, it's just a really kind of charming way to do so. I agree. Yeah. It doesn't shove it down your throat. Like, right. remember this is this guy. Yes. This is that. Cause halfway through the movie, I was finally like, okay, so this guy uh-huh. is this dude. And right. like, I was finally 
like, okay, I know who everyone is now. Yes. Um, which, yeah, that was good. And they're not all connected, the characters, until, like you said, halfway through the movie. But, like, there's a circle of friends that, that are all together. And then there's these two other guys who are kind of outside of it. But then they're, like, tangentially related later on. Yeah. Um, and, and we're just shown how, like, over the years, the, the, the movie takes place over about a seven-year period. And um, how the disease touches everyone, both the survivors and the people who got the, the disease and unfortunately died. Yeah, that's true. And Howard, I have to say I love his hair. The <laughs> white guy Jerry curl oh, from it's, the eighties. It's it's pretty great. It's good. Yeah, yeah. And he's trying to be an actor, uh-huh. like a movie star, or he's on a daytime soap. Yes. Which I thought was really funny. You get to watch an episode of the soap. Yeah. And they <laughs> you like actually see the episode play out. I know. And one of the, I guess Paul wrote it. Um, Is that what it, happened? It, Sean wrote it. Sean wrote it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah. getting them confused. Sean wrote it and they're so they're all watching it and having mm-hmm. a party and Howard's character, they made they had him make a gay turn yes. for some reason. Yes. I don't know why. Just it just happened randomly. Yeah, and he happened to be a gay man, mm-hmm. and then he got upset about it. You know, which I thought was a great scene. He's like, now that I've I'm doing this, I'm going to be pigeonholed for the rest of my career. That's right. No one's going to want to work with me. I'm screwed. And a lot of gay actors felt that way back then. Mm-hmm. Even today, they still feel that way. They don't want to play gay because that that they will be like you know totally that that's all they'll get. Now, were the actors in this film gay? Um, I don't think any of them were. Okay. Um, I, I, I can't I can't prove that, you know. I, I, I mean, they could have been. We they, they just could, don't know. Exactly. But, and yeah. and um, I, I mean, the, the ones I, the, the names I know, I mean, of Campbell Scott, Dermot Mulroney, Bruce Davison. Yeah. Um, like, I, I those, they, they don't identify in, in, in life as, as homosexual. But right. I, I'm not sure about the other guys because a lot of the, the other people in this movie are kind of independent film actors who um, you haven't seen in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, like Sean, his name's Mark Lamos, right. the actor, and I don't know if he's done a whole lot of stuff. On IMDb, he doesn't even have a picture up, you know? I have never seen him in anything else. And he was phenomenal in this he's movie. He's really good. He's one of the unfortunate men that have to suffer through this, yes. and you get to see him deteriorate all the way to the end. Right. Which, I that, that scene is heartbreaking I when know. he's... In the bed, in the house, you know, Dave's taking care of him. Yes. And you basically see him die um, and suffer. And they're changing his adult diaper. Oh, and man. It's heartbreaking. I know. And like you said about the t- deterioration, he, he's one of the guys who is, uh, like, Sean is is really paranoid about the about the disease when it first comes yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's constantly, like, sort of checking himself in the mirror, and he a- asking David to, like, check. Is this mole there? Is this, have yeah. I always had this mole? Mm-hmm. Um, and David is constantly, you know, saying, oh, you don't have AIDS, don't worry about it. I, right. You know, we have, we've been together for a while now. We haven't, like, been with other men. Right. And the scary thing about the disease, the scariest part of it, is that... It's a retrovirus. Mm-hmm. So if you were ever unsafe at any time, it could just come out. It, it could attack you, you know, yep. like, like 20 years later. And that's what happens to Sean. Yep. All his paranoia, all his like kind of like walking around, you know, kind of being you're you're, you're just like 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 David is a little bit sick of hearing about it. Right. And then they just cut to black. And then in the next scene, he's in the hospital. He actually is. Yeah. He is stricken with AIDS. Yeah. And you you. You see dementia set in with him. That's true, yeah. Um, there's that, that, that really that scene in the park where he is with David, and he goes for a little walk himself, and that woman with the children is, like, horrified because Sean is uh, urinating right in front of them. Yeah, right there. Uh, you see that scene after, 
I guess he's on the phone with his agent or something. With the, like the, I think it's like the, the studio head. head. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the scripts are getting really weird. Yes. So Dave's like listening on the phone to help him through the conversation. He's like, all right, just say this. Yeah. And he can't even like repeat what, like a, like a two word sentence. Right. Or understand the context of when to say yes or no. Right. Or whatever. I have to think about it. Yeah. I have to think about it. He kept saying <laughs> David tells uh, him to say that whenever he doesn't know what to say. Yeah. And he just thinks that he needs to say that for everything. Yeah, it's almost like a, a slapstick bit. It is, you know? I know. Except it's not funny Ex- because exactly. of the context of the situation. Uh, I know, I know. And, like and if this was Groucho Marx, like this would be <laughs> right. this would be dynamite of, stuff. Of course, right. <laughs> Except that it's now like yeah, there's this pall hanging over it where you know that he's doing this because he's just getting every disease. Yeah. You know, because the, the, the AIDS is taking control. And David also, like, like throughout this whole thing, Bruce Davison plays David in, in a really interesting way. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Bruce Davidson. Go okay. ahead. Yes. Um, he is like he's kind of the leader, uh, like the unspo- like the 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 unofficial leader of this group of friends. Yeah. Um, he's the it looks like he's maybe the oldest man, mm-hmm. and he is uh, definitely the richest. He has like a place out on Fire Island, and he's a really good caregiver to his longtime lover uh, Sean. But he is he is never not himself. He he is always kind of um, like like just barely. He, he's not making jokes, but but he's he's always very cheerful. Yeah, and he, he he's like he's very brave throughout the whole process, but not brave in a, in like kind of a crusading way. Yeah, he's just like attending to this man um, as best he can, and like remaining. His personality is always at par, no matter what he's encountering. Right. Yeah. It's. It's weird to see him like this because you don't know how to interpret his feelings actually completely. Like there's moments where I feel like maybe he just wants Sean to die. Yes. So he's not burdened anymore. That's possible. Like Dave might be selfish and not want to be burdened by taking care of him. Right. Which is so sad because, you know, they they've been a couple for however long. Yes. And they love each other. Yes. But man, when he's telling them to just let go, you know. Right. He's sitting there next to Sean, and he's saying, you know, it's okay. You can go. Mm-hmm. This is Oscar scene here. That's that's what got him yeah, nominated, yeah. I think, is this scene. So, yeah. And it's a great scene, but, you, okay, is he saying this because he wants Sean to stop suffering? Mm-hmm. Or is he saying it because he himself doesn't want to be burdened by this? It's hard to read. It is hard to read. What, what, what do you think? Like, what's the verdict? I really think he wants Sean not to suffer. Okay. But I think there might be something in the back of his mind, like, I need to move on with my life. Mm-hmm. I can't keep doing this. Right. I, I tend to think it's both as well. Yeah. Because I, I think it's perfectly natural to want an aged parent who's suffering or, a, you know, or someone who's sick in your life who is suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you are going to have that that just like maelstrom of emotions, uh, both, both that you are burdened by this and also that, that you just can't stand to see them like this anymore. Right. I mean, Sean has been reduced to... Um, like he can't, he can't, he's immobile completely. He's like the guy in seven who's yes, on the bed. He is. He is completely yeah. wasted away. Uh huh. And, and nothing he does, like nothing Sean does, um, every day of his life. Uh, he, he, he deteriorates even further, but like, like the only thing keeping him alive is him wanting to stay alive. Right. You know, so that's, that's what David is telling him. Hey, just let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, stop trying because, yep. you know, uh, this isn't worth it. And, you know, on the other side will be no more suffering. Yep. 
Yeah, you're right. That's a good scene, and Dave's a good character. Yeah, uh, because of this, his you know he's complicated. Yeah, he is. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great scene like we've mentioned where he's like where Sean's like, did I always have this mole? Yeah, on his, he's just worrying about it. Yeah, and Dave's kind of like, shut up, man. <laughs> yes. Like like you said, he's tired of hearing about it. Uh huh. And he's telling him like, no, you're fine. Blah blah blah. Right. And Sean's like about in tears, and he's like, stop talking to me like I'm a child. Yes. Because that's how Dave comes off all the time. He's kind of he like, you know, he's always on. He's right. he's kind of a know-it-all in, or thinks he's a big shot in a little ways, yeah. but he doesn't really come off, you know, like like he's better than anyone, but it just kind of comes off a little bit like oh, that. Sure. Um, and, and Dave apologizes to him and he says, I'm sorry, you know, I love you. Mm-hmm. And Sean says, no, you don't. But it's okay. Right. Right. <laughs> that was a good scene. <laughs> it was cool. And, and I like your characterization of, of David is that, is that he's, he is an arrogant man, definitely. Yeah. But he, he's still very generous. Yeah. Um, and he still cares about people. Like, he, he doesn't behave the way typically an arrogant man would. Right. Um, and, and, and Sean saying, you know, like not believing him when he says he loves him. I'm sure that, that David does love him yeah. as a person. Right. Um, and maybe even loves him as a companion, as a partner. Mm-hmm. But I, I imagine that over those 20 years, there were times where Sean must have doubted that. Because I'm sure that David was, as we know, was probably putting the moves on every dude he ever met. Probably. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and eventually, Dave dies too. Yeah. And Willie is at the eulogy giving a speech here. And he's he's saying the most remarkable thing Dave ever did was take care of Sean. Yeah. And he let him die at home against the doctor's wishes. You know, yes. he did it, even though he was burdened by it, like we said, mm-hmm. he did that because that's what Sean wanted. You and know? it was at personal risk to himself. Yeah, and he could get infected. Yeah. I mean, it's dangerous. And, you know, that's what, who he was. He was very generous, like you said. And even though he's arrogant, it's... He puts other people first, it seems. He like does. His friends and his family yeah. are the most important things to him. Right. Even though he comes off as an asshole sometimes, and he's a little smarmy. And, yeah. But, yeah. Smarmy's if, the word. If, yeah. he's, if you're in his circle, he'll do anything for you. You are taken care of, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to look out for you. He's going to do anything he can to, to, to make your life better. And... Um, and and David's death, too, comes... It comes right after, um, like, they... they Sean has passed away, and uh, Willie, Fuzzy, and um, uh, Mary Stuart Masterson's character, uh-huh. um, uh, Mary Louise Parker's character. Yes, Mary me. Louise Parker. Yeah, uh, they, they they come over to to help him out, and they're at the they're at the like Chinese restaurant doing the um, they're doing the obituary yeah, for Sean. Yeah, and they're just asking David how's he doing, and then like. The very next scene, it's like two years later, and they're at the the the, the church, and David has died. Yeah, um, we, we don't see like David's uh, like prolonged illness or anything like that. It's just it just happened. And the really terrible part about that like sort of cut and edit is is that that's how life was for a lot of people at that time. I mean, right. like they 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 would be safe, that they would be living a normal life for you know maybe decades or more, and then all of all at once. They have this terrible disease, and they just deteriorate quickly, and they're dead. Yeah, and the movie does a lot of this. It fades to black, and then mm-hmm. a new date pops up about yes. a year or two later. Yes. And it's almost, each sequence is almost like there is a death involved somewhere I know. in this section of the movie. Right. And I can imagine that's what it was like for people surviving through this, that their life became just a series of family and friends dying. 
Of course. I've, I've heard, I've heard like Harvey Firestein talk about that. Like he's just, he was so tired of burying his friends. Yeah. I mean, if everybody you grew up with, like maybe 10, 15, 20 more people, even more people, like you're just losing everybody that you were ever close to. Mm-hmm. And then you have this sort of survivor's guilt. Like maybe you were even more reckless than they were and yeah. you somehow didn't get it. Right. You know, right. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's unimaginably hard. And I, I'm, you know, I, I thought about it a lot, and I, I don't know how I would have made it through it. Yeah, it, you know? it must be tough. Right. Yeah. Um, another performance I really liked in the movie, besides Bruce Davidson, I really liked Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. He was great, and he's in the movie for maybe 10 minutes. I know. But he was really good. His character, he's he seems like kind of the party boy. Yes. You know? Um, but I really liked his character because he's really close friends with Campbell Scott's character. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not lovers. They're just right. like they're just best, best buds, friends. you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And he's joking around about Fuzzy, who becomes <laughs> Willie's boyfriend. Yes. But um, he's making fun of him at the beginning. And then, you know, <laughs> he tells David, like, when they're on Fire Island or whatever, he's like, who's that guy? And he's like, oh, that's Fuzzy. And then they all start <laughs> laughing. Um, and then he's the, he's the first one to contract the virus. Yes. And... Or the disease. It happens right away. Yeah, and he gets it, and he's in the hospital, and you see him die. Right. And he's really good in these scenes. I know. Where he's wasting away and dying. Right. And then at the end, there's kind of a surreal dream sequence where they all all the gay men run to the beach, you know, to celebrate, I guess, a victory over AIDS or yes. something. And he's there, and all the friends that have died are there, and he sees Willie and says, oh my God, and they give each other a big hug, right. and it's all... Dermot Mulroney's face in this scene is really good. Like he is the happiest person in the world, <laughs> even though he's dead and it's a dream. But uh-huh. man, uh, he's great in this movie. It's the poster. It is the poster. Um, like and the, he's barely in the film. He, he's he's like he's like you said he's in it for ten <laughs> minutes and he is on the poster smiling, hugging Campbell Scott. Uh huh. And that that particular scene, um, it's like the the three surviving people. People. It's Campbell Scott, uh, Mary Louise Parker, and Stephen Caffrey. Fuzzy. They're, they're walking on the beach. They've done a lot of work around this. They're, they're now like involved. They're in, all activists in, now. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Doing a lot of stuff. And they're just talking about like um, what's going to happen in the future, you know. Mm-hmm. And Campbell Scott says, I wonder what it will be like when AIDS is overcome. Yeah. And then now there's this sequence with, with Dermot Mulroney coming back is, is a very, is very, it's original, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen something like it really before. Um, like you said, a bunch of, a bunch of guys come running down the beach where they're walking to mm-hmm. and like the sun comes out and it's Bruce Davison is back and Sean is back. Uh-huh. Um, and Dermot Mulroney is there and like this, this song is playing over the top of it called postmortem bar. Uh-huh. Um, talking about like, you know how we're going to, you know, once, once we're all, once we all die, we're going to get together and have a good time. Yeah. And it's just like, if, if this is what the afterlife is like, um, mm-hmm. then I think we're all set. Yeah. You know, kind of because it, it's it's like this is what the, the, this reunion that happens is like that's how you want it to happen. Right. You yeah. Know? You meet all all your friends who have yes. gone again. And, yes. And forever you're you're happy. You're just just together forever. I know Th- that we get to have sex again. That's, that's what, what he that's what he that's says. what he says yeah. earlier right. in the movie. I, <laughs> yes. Well, what do you think is going to happen when we die? And he goes, uh-huh. we get to have sex again. Exactly. <laughs> and then I think Willie says that. And then he kind of looks to the side and sighs and he's like, I hope. Yes. Like and it, it's a funny line. <laughs> it is. Uh, but. The way he he ends it with that I hope mm-hmm. and like the sigh, it's like, okay, 
yeah, he's really this. This is a dangerous, dreadful world now. Of course, and he's become weary of it because, like, Fuzzy and Willie are living together for a long time. Yeah, and they are. They have become like they won't even touch one another because right. even though they're the surviving people in the movie, they are just paranoid about anything. Right, they're not having sex. Right. Yeah, and on top of that, all of their friends are dying. Like mm-hmm. they're they're just you know nonstop every every day they're they're, they're dealing with you know like Sean. You know Sean's illness, um, mm-hmm. and and where where Fuzzy what Fuzzy does for a living, he's like an entertainment lawyer, mm-hmm. and his uh, one of his clients is Howard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now Howard is uh, is not sick at this time, but Paul his his boyfriend is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know the way Paul's illness is way Paul's illness is introduced is just he's sitting there like we always see him in his office like he's a businessman you know yeah. a movie businessman and he um. He's always, you know, like like working hard in board meetings, and then he calls Howard from the hospital. He's got his briefcase and everything, and he's still doing business work, but he's in the hospital. He right. looks the same as he did, but he says he has a lesion on his brain. Right. And we don't see him deteriorate too much, but like later in the film, he is, you know, like laying in his hospital bed, and he's almost catatonic. Um, he yeah. Can, he can speak a little bit, but he can't really move. And Tony Shalhoub walks in. I know. I uh, saw him walk in. I yeah. go, holy crap, <laughs> yes. it's Tony. <laughs> yes. And this must be where him and Campbell Scott met. Probably. You know? Yeah. Um, and Tony starts to give him like a battery of tests to make sh- to see what his mental state is. Yeah. And during this time, there's another person in the room played by Robert Joy. Okay. Who is also, I believe, an AIDS patient. And yeah. like, it, it's kind of a weird part of the movie because his story doesn't really go anywhere. But he like represents the people who had AIDS who were like now a little bit psychotic about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, he rips his IV out. Oh and yeah. He, he goes running across the room. There's blood everywhere, and the ripping of an IV. Oh, um, it's 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 always horrified me. Yeah, nobody likes. Nobody that. wants oh. to see that ever. And as an AIDS patient, the last thing you want is blood of everywhere. Of course. I mean, like it's just yeah, it, it's the worst possible thing he could have mm-hmm. done. And I think Howard's in the room, and he he's is. like yelling, "We need someone in here." Yes. There's blood everywhere. Right. Right. That's probably how Howard got it. Uh, it, I mean, it could be it like could that. Be. That could be the, the 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 genesis of his getting it exactly. Um, one thing I liked in that scene is when Tony Shalhoub's asking him, he's like, "All right, well, who's the president?" And Paul's like, well, "Ronald Reagan." He's uh-huh. like, "Who's the vice president?" And he goes, "Nancy Reagan." <laughs> <laughs> and we know he has his wits about him at yeah. this point because uh-huh. he's making smart ass jokes like, yeah. "Well, you're holding up two fingers and a thumb." Yeah. You know, uh-huh. so you, you know the Nancy Reagan joke is a joke. <laughs> He's not really, you know, like, exactly. oh, it's George Bush or yes. whatever. You know, yes. <laughs> it's Nancy Reagan. It's <laughs> he, funny. I mean, he's just looking across the room. And he, he can barely move his head, but he still has the ability to, like, make a smart ass comment uh-huh. about the state of American <laughs> politics. Right. And, I, you know, it's 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 pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and Fuzzy has a good line as the entertainment lawyer or whatever, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard can't get a role because he has... Or because he's gay, yes. and he might get AIDS. Yes, because he's on the line with the guy, like the insurance guy for the film, and he's like, "Well, I can't get a bond on this picture if if one of the actors has AIDS." Right. And Fuzzy's like, "He doesn't have AIDS, and so they're not going to hire him. They're going to fire him from right. the production." Right. And Fuzzy's response at the end is awesome. He yells, "Fuck you, you know," and hangs up. <laughs> Fuck you, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I love too that like for any Frasier fans, the guy he's saying "fuck you," you know, to is Bulldog from Frasier. Is it? Yeah, that's funny. 
<laughs> I just love the you know. I know. That's the, that's the I know. best. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, Dave. Yes. I'm going to have to get real here for a second. Go ahead. I kind of didn't like the tone of the movie. Like okay. the to- overall tone. Please. It felt a little like after school special to me. Really? A smidge. Okay. I don't know what it was. Maybe all the pontificating about the virus. Uh-huh. I don't know. Right. Um, it was a good film, but the tone just felt a little, I don't know. That, well, I don't well, know you what you mean. At, yeah. You said after school just, special. Yeah. Okay. Something um, like that. Yeah. A, a little bit movie of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Like, all right, let's teach people about AIDS. Yes. It was very well done and stuff, but right. it felt like shoving it down your throat almost. Uh-huh. And that was the point of the movie, yes. you know, to, you know, say, hey, people, look, you know. <laughs> of course, right. Uh, but yeah, it, looking at it now, maybe not back then it felt that way, but, you know, now it was like, okay, I, uh, I need to learn my lesson. I, I, I appreciate your, your mm-hmm. position, certainly. Yeah. And in the harsh light of 2017, yeah, it definitely would feel that way, mm-hmm. especially if it's the first time you're seeing it. Uh, my only counter to it, I guess, would be that in 1990, um, as I as I said before about, like, my upbringing, you know, I was inundated with ignorance. I mean, like, like <laughs> yeah. it was just nonstop all, all throughout like school, other kids at school mm-hmm. playing, you know, the, the cooties game. This is the most shameful thing cooties, I can even yeah. like imagine became AIDS. No touchbacks. Wow. Really? Yes. Ooh. It was revolting. Lo- looking back on it now, you just go, you wanted to, I mean, like we should have just like, you know, just swept all of those children, myself included, <laughs> you know, off of the earth because we, we were we were so like, it was it was a terrible time. And then like so back then, if if someone was going to the theater in 1990, um, they probably had not seen a theatrical film about the AIDS virus, about like the AIDS crisis. Yeah. So like it, the the after school special feel. I, and I get what you're saying because now you look at it, it is kind of feel it does kind of feel that way. But mm-hmm. I think back then it probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, but but there also is one part of the film that I don't care for. Okay. Um, it's just one piece. It's early in the movie as we're after we're introduced to all the characters. There's kind of a a sex montage. Dude, I wrote that down. Okay. I wanted to talk. About Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> the music is awesome though. It's oh like, yeah. Bounce, 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 bounce. <laughs> it's it's just. just it's not, they don't need it in this movie. No, it does not need to be there. Um, you don't see anything. It's not graphic or pornographic at all. And, no. Uh, it's a little <laughs> soft core almost. It is. But it's, it's unnecessary. It's on the beach, there's in the apartment, uh-huh. a couple couple dudes here, a couple dudes there. Yeah. And I guess because you know <laughs> it's a movie about AIDS, sex is dangerous. So yeah. you're like, all right, well, don't have sex, guys. Don't do it. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, they did not need the sex montage. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's it's Howard and Paul pair off, Fuzzy and 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 Willie pair off, uh-huh. and like the the way it starts is, um, like Howard and Paul leave this restaurant, and then the waiter who says, you know, okay, have a good night. Um, mm-hmm. one of the other waiters looks at him and goes, hot date, and he he <laughs> winks, he like winks at the guy, yeah, and the music comes on, he throws his jacket coolly over his shoulder. <laughs> And, and walks back to the kitchen. And walks back to the kitchen, I guess. Where a busboy's eyeing him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he does. Hey, the guy's got a hot date. You know, that, that he wasn't lying. Mm-hmm. But you don't need that. Don't. I mean, it's 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 just, it lasts about 60 seconds. And it's like, guys, what are you doing? Don't, don't put this in the movie. You know? Although I do understand it because, like, in some ways, because, like, like at, at that point, I know that gay people... Um, 
I mean, if you think about all the sex montages in movies about straight people, yeah, I mean, they, they don't need to be there, right? M- maybe a gay filmmaker said, you know what, uh, this is going in. Yeah, you I know, mean, I, I, I'm I'm just like, hey, we we have not we don't have any representation in the in the most uh, popular art form of of our century. Right, we're we're gonna do this <laughs> cheesy Red Shoe Diaries esque, you know. <laughs> no, I'm all for it. Go yeah. for it. Oh, I sure, just, right. Uh, from a critical analysis of, of the course. film, you don't need you this don't here, need it. right? Yeah. I mean, if it, even if it's straight people, dude, <laughs> you don't need <laughs> you this. Come you on, never, you almost never need like. <laughs> We've talked about it before. We almost never need to see sex in cinema, honestly. It, it, yeah. It's it's almost never necessary to the plot. Right. But, dude, I'm glad it's in there because we got poke fun at it, though. Of course. That, that yeah. song, man, right. it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. I think I wrote I wrote it down as uh, sexy porno fucking music. <laughs> No, yeah, God. dude, it's it it's something. It, like like what we did, like the our our impersonation of it is legit. Like like yeah, that music close. is 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 in this movie, and it's just of guys caressing each other and bam, bam. It's late night HBO music. It dude. is. It is, and and it's and it's in a movie. <laughs> There's no saxophone though. It's just like bass and like some grooves, man. There is a sax there right is, at the end. Oh, like a, yeah. right when that, that yes. t- it's ramping up, yes. that sax yes. is going up and down the scale. Exactly. And then we fade to black <laughs> and cut right to Dermot Mulroney in the hospital. Oh, and that's dude. why. And that's really the the, the yeah. reason for it, for it. It did not need to be there because like the the tonal shift is so stark. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, like I said, it, the sex is dangerous. Of course, with, with the AIDS going around. Right. The AIDS, I called it. Um, <laughs> with the AIDS. With virus. the AIDS. Yes. You know, with the video games. Uh-huh. But um, no, it cuts from the from the sex right to the hospital. Right. So I mean, the, right there, there's the juxtaposition of you know, mm-hmm. there's a relationship between the two. But I don't need the bounce. No. And yeah, like, so, yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah. We don't need we don't need baselines, and and we already knew that. We, we, yeah. we, we know how this we know how this disease spreads. We know that that like gay men and um and any and IV drug users and anyone who is sexually promiscuous and um hemophiliacs are at risk. Okay. We, we, we we know that. Even in 1990, we knew that. I think they could, like you said, it's a tonal shift that's yeah. really stark. Right. Like they didn't need. The bow chicka bow wow music. We, no. They could have had them go ha, going to go to bed together. It, that that would have been fine. We would have right. known what was happening. Yes, but you didn't need you know taking off your shirts and no. bow chicka bow wow. No, no, we did we, not. We could have been it. good. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I loved is it, like about a third of the way through the movie, they're all sitting around talking about the virus and yes. stuff, and they, they're talking about ET a lot. Like Mary Louise Parker keeps talking about E.T. and Ronald Reagan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. then, um, or it's Paul, and oh, it's Sean mm-hmm. and Mary Louise Parker. They they keep talking about E.T. Yes. and how Ronald Reagan loves E.T. or something <laughs> like that. And then later, when you see Sean in the hospital, he has a little E.T. doll. Someone yeah, bought him yeah, to cheer him up. Cool. Oh, I, I loved it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I want that doll. <laughs> and Mary Louise Parker's character is uh, she's Fuzzy's sister. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay. I thought they were just friends. Right. They're okay. um they're they're together. They're 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 just family and, and they're 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 not from New York like the rest of the people. They're they're mm-hmm. from the South somewhere. Yeah. Um and her character is is one of these um like like people who just were were kind of they they had a lot of gay friends and, and they were they were like sort of suffering on the periphery. Like, uh-huh. like they maybe maybe she wasn't as at risk as these other people were. Right. But but she's you know still 
like is is watching all this happen, watching it play out, and then volunteering her of herself to um, to try to, if not eradicate the disease, then at least you know offer some comfort. And mm-hmm. what it all kind of transpires to is is toward the end, there uh, Willie, Fuzzy, and her are working for the an organization called the Gay Men's Health Crisis, mm-hmm. which it was a bunch of people who got together um, as as a community to try to, you know, offer some comfort to people right. and, and also get re- get raise money to research, you know, the disease to come up with a cure. I mean, because of so much government inaction. Yeah. I mean, um, Ronald Reagan didn't even like acknowledge that the disease existed until like six years after it was found on American soil. Right. And because it wasn't happening to, uh, it was happening only to a strata of society that was traditionally, you know, not, right. you know, very favored. Um, no one, not just the president or, or, you know, people in Washington, but like even our own communities mm-hmm. uh, di- didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to do anything about it because it wasn't happening to them. Right. Ignorance is bliss. Yes, of course. It, it, has, it hasn't touched us, so who cares? You yeah. Know? But that's not true. It does. It touches everyone. It touches everyone. Yep. That's right. And that goes back to, you know, how misidentified things were at the beginning. Of course. How hard it was and, you know... People were getting it through blood transfusion and yes. stuff like that. Yes. People, they're like, well, I'm not gay. Right. I, I've seen some movie. I can't remember what it is now, but someone got AIDS through that. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like it's one we did on the show. I don't know. Never oh, really? okay. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Okay. But yeah. They, they literally say, but I'm not gay. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah. That's how nobody knew what was going on, man. E- exactly. Like, that. It, it sucked back then, man. I know. You did not know it anyone w- could get it technically. It was terrible, and and I didn't I didn't get educated about it until like like way after I should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I had. It, it wasn't until Ryan White uh, got sick. Um, he was a, a kid from Indiana who was about my age at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, who I, I don't remember exactly yes. how he got mm-hmm. it, but it was. I it, think it was a blood transfusion. It was a blood transfusion. Yeah. yeah. Um, same thing happened to Arthur Ashe, the tennis mm-hmm. player. Um, Magic Johnson, um, when he like announced his diagnosis, it was from promiscuous sex. Uh-huh. Those things were, were were tragic, but they also shed finally a public light on, you know, that that, that like you said, this does touch everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about was when John Dermot Mulroney's character first is in the hospital. Yes. Uh, Willie gets called on the phone by Dave, I think, and they mm-hmm. meet at the hospital, and they're saying, oh, it's just pneumonia. Right. I mean, which is serious, too. Right, but, of course. I mean, um, and they're in the waiting room, and it's Dave doing his thing where he's, like, trying to comfort Willie. He's almost in denial, kind of, yes. with how he's going on about, oh, he's fine. I knew someone who had this, and, you know, they just t- took some antibiotics and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Just trying to comfort Willie. Right. He, hopelessly doing so. Right. But... After this, they see John, and they're like, man, like he looks terrible. And Willie comes home to Fuzzy, and uh, Willie is very upset. He's despondent over yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he has this rant where he's complaining about you know, the hospital system. You know, he's, He waited 24 hours to get in a bed. And, you know, They didn't even give him a blanket. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they're more concerned about his insurance than yes. his health. Yes. Um, it's a really good just diatribe here about... How the whole system is fucked up. Of course. And he says it's not fair. Of and he course. throws he throws the telephone across the room. Yes. And the whole time I really liked Fuzzy's reaction is just supportive of it. Like right. he's not saying 
you know, yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop yelling. He's not doing any of this stuff. He's right. just saying, I'm so sorry. Because that's all. Yeah, you, he has the perfect reaction, mm-hmm. which is what, when, when someone is going through something like that, all you can do is like the, the best thing you can do is listen to them. Yeah. And it's also effective just from a movie storytelling perspective, because like like they're they're able to get their their particular politics into the movie this way. Yeah. By having these grievances in the mouth of one of their characters, mm-hmm. uh, w- Willie going off and, and, you know, like saying all these things, it's what like AIDS activists back then wanted to get across. Yeah. And Norman Rene, the director of the movie, he unfortunately passed away from AIDS in 1996. Oh, wow. Um, and so he would certainly have much to say about, you know, what, what society was doing to him and all of his friends. Yeah. Um, and it, he, Gets it into into a, a work of art, which is this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, anything else you want to touch on? Um, yeah, I just have one other thing. It's it's not really really it's not really part of the movie, but um, we talked about the gay man's health crisis and uh, you know, like like what that what that organization was. But there was another organization called Act Up. Okay. Um, that was um, another activist uh, AIDS activist organization that um, it was founded by Larry Kramer and. Vito Russo, the guy who wrote The Cellular right, Closet, yeah. he unfortunately passed away from AIDS himself in 1990, but in 1988, he made a speech at an ACT UP rally, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to read part of it. Okay. Um, he's talking about how, if I'm dying from anything, I'm dying from homophobia. I'm dying from racism. I'm dying, if I'm, I'm dying from indifference and red tape, because these are the things that are preventing an end to this crisis. I'm dying from Jesse Helms. I'm dying from the President of the United States. And if I'm dying from anything, I'm dying from the sensationalism of newspapers and magazines and TV shows, which are interested in me as a human interest story. Only as long as I'm willing to be a helpless victim, but not if I'm fighting for my life. If I'm dying from the fact that not enough rich, white, heterosexual men have gotten AIDS for anybody to give a shit. Living with AIDS in this country is like, uh, is only happening to those people who happen to be in the trenches. And it's worse than a war, because during a war, people are united in a shared experience. This war has not united us, it's divided us. And it's separated those of us with AIDS and those of us who fight for people with AIDS from the rest of the population. Two and a half years ago, I picked up Life magazine and read an editorial that said, quote, it's time to pay attention because this disease is now beginning to strike the rest of us, unquote. It was as if I wasn't the one holding the magazine in my hand. And since then, nothing has changed to alter the perception that AIDS is not happening to the real people in this country. Mm-hmm. The speech, you know, is goes on like that. I've only read like a, a a portion of it, but it's what we've been talking about before. I think that the the kind of um, the crucial part of that is when he picked up the magazine and and read what it said. Uh, this is now happening to the rest of us, as if he wasn't the one holding the magazine. Right. Um, the loneliness and isolation that that people felt mm-hmm. during this time, you know, had to be like. Anyone who made it out of there and survived with their life, I mean, not many did, but yep. the, 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 the deck was completely stacked against them, not only because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't medication, but because of society's you know, ostracism of them. Yeah. And you know, the only people who could actually offer any relief or comfort were community organizations like ACT UP and the Gay Men's Health Crisis. Yep. Um, it was a terrible time in America, everybody. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Um. And I guess to finish it off, you had mentioned at the end when they're on the beach and they're saying, imagine what it'd be like when we find the cure. Yeah. And Mary Louise Parker's response is, it'd be like the end of World War II. <laughs> yeah. You know, it would be monumental. Uh-huh. 
So hopefully one day we do find a cure, man. It's been forever. I know. And, you know, I think they're getting closer all the time. But, yeah. man, it would be amazing. It'd be the end of World War II. Um, you know, and, and I'd forgotten about that line, mm-hmm. but if you think about the end of World War II and, and everyone gathering in Times Square and running around and, and just, you know, like, like there's a, the, the stock ticker says, you know, the sailor kissing a woman. Of course. And, oh, right. Man. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's, it would be, it, it would be like that. Yeah. It know? would be fantastic. Right. Um, yeah. So I guess, would you recommend the movie, Dave? Uh, yes, I, I, I would recommend it. Um, I, I think that, uh. I think that's an important movie, and and because it was kind of um, the 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 first you know theatrical you know theatrical film to 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 tackle this subject, I, I think that it's, it deserves to be seen. Okay, I don't think I'm gonna recommend it, Dave. Okay. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, but I don't feel like it's really essential to to watch this. Okay, I think it might be that you know after school special vibe that I know that is just turning me off a little bit. But okay. yeah, it's a good quality film. Yeah. But so if if you're if this sounds like Something that interests you, uh, go ahead and watch it. But personally, I wouldn't recommend watching it. Um, and and as far as the after school special vibe, I think you're right. Um, and and I would recommend everyone check out um, a movie called Angels in America, which came out in 2003. Um, uh-huh. It's uh, it is a fantastic film, and it actually is um, a little bit more. Uh, ser- it, it's it's got a very serious tone, and it actually like delves even further into the ravages of the disease. Okay. Um. Yeah. That that's one to check out. I need to watch that one. Maybe mm-hmm. I'd recommend that one. Yes. All right. So that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes, rate it, review it. Most of all, share it. That gets more dudes listening to the dudes. Hashtag dude army. If you don't use iTunes, <laughs> iDudes. <laughs> Is that what I call it? <laughs> I'm still thinking about dude God, armies again. Man. Anyways, if you don't use that. Uh, go anywhere else you get a podcast and rate us and review us there. Please do so. Mm-hmm. Or go to dudesonmovies.com and you can find anything you need right there. Yeah, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Dudes on Movies and we will come right up. And we have an email address, dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Yes, so use those social media uh, outlets and the email to give us your question of the week answer. I'll read it this week, Dave, because we phrased it very carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your favorite movie that addresses the AIDS crisis? Yes. There's a lot of them out there. Right. So we want to know which one's your favorite. Right. So let us know, please. Use the email or Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, last week, we had a question of the week, which is, what is your what is Ridley Scott's best movie? Mm-hmm. We had a couple people respond, and we've got Matt says Gladiator. Yeah. And Dave is entertained. That <laughs> was an incredibly yeah. irreverent <laughs> gesture, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. And Sandy <laughs> says Alien. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we, put the, we put the question out there kind of late, so a lot of people didn't get the response. Right. But I'm sure there's a lot of Blade Runners out there. I'm um, positive, yeah. Maybe a Thelma and Louise floating around. Oh, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Black Hawk Down? Uh, oh no! I, I, I when, when I went through his filmography, yeah. I was stunned at the level of quality that yep. he's got. Yeah. Even The Martian was good. I, I enjoyed know. it. I know it's so, it's excellent. But I would I'd go Alien probably. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, thanks for those responses, folks. And remember, next week, let us know what is your favorite movie that addresses the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned next week. We have a special request from Bryce. He wants us to do 1987's The Secret of My Success, directed by Herbert Ross, starring Michael J. Fox. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time.